in the beginning, oh, not in the beginning, sorry, the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made out of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I. The straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. This is God's word. And uh, won't you keep your Bible open in the Gospel of Mark if you have it. And uh, let me see if I can bring up a, a title for you as we, as we begin. Right, there it is, the voice of the voice. But before I, before I start, let me just let me pray. King of kings and Lord of lords, Lord Jesus, I just pray pray that we will see you this morning as, as just that. Lord of lords, King of kings. We may get a glimpse, a glimpse of your glory. And that our love for you and our faith in you and the hope that we have from you will be increased. Help me, I pray, to lift you up, to glorify you from the pages of your word. In your name I ask. Amen. All right, the voice, Mark 1, 1, 2, 8. So let me just ask you, has anybody, does anybody watch that program? It comes up on TV once a year. It's called The Voice. Any hands? Know what it is? It's where basically Aussies get together and they sort of audition with their voice to try and become the voice of Australia and become all popular and all that. Right. How many of you have seen that? Just give me another show there, quite a few of you. How many of you think that you have got a voice for the voice? Right, Stuart, come up here and audition. No, 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 you put your hand, come up and audition. No, please don't, no, no. We all go running for cover. We, uh, <laughs> we started, you'll see how this fits. We started journey this morning through the Gospel of Mark and the first eight verses. And, and as Jamie sort of indicated, the Gospel of Mark, it's a high-octane sort of movie-like thing. It's, it, it, it's fast-paced and it goes with octane and, 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 and it goes from sort of one fast-paced scene to another. The Gospel of Mark, it's a little bit like a gospel thriller. And you're sort of sitting on the edge of your seat wondering what the heck is going to come next. But it's very important to understand as we get into the Gospel of Mark 
that Mark is a synoptic gospel. And what that means is that the way Mark has put his material together, it doesn't mean that the life of Jesus runs chronologically. So what Mark does, as does Luke and Matthew, they take the, the stories of Jesus and they sort of copy and paste. They mix them around. They put them into a certain way, theological units or theological blocks as I like to call them, so that we can get a very distinct, a very unique flavor of Jesus Christ. Which is why Mark has got a different flavor to Matthew, different flavor to Luke, and then a different flavor to John as well. Now, if you just I'm saying that to you because when you come across liberal unbelievers, what they say is because the stories are all in different uh, orders in the different Gospels, they turn around and say that the Gospel writers must be confused because they were copying each other in the wrong way. No. The Gospel writers are God-inspired that have taken the little aspects, all the aspects of Jesus, and arranged them in a beautiful way so that we can be disciples of Jesus and we can go out and make disciples of others. I'm going to give you five headings this morning as we go into the voice. Here's the first one, the media about the Messiah. So have a look at Mark 1 verse 1. Mark 1 verse 1 says the beginning of the, of, of, of the gospel. And th this is breaking news. Now, I don't, I don't watch a lot of a TV, but, but I do watch the news just about every single day so I can know what's going on around the world. And so often as you watch the news, you'll get this sort of insert of breaking news, breaking news, and then we're whipped to some part of the world to see what is going on. This is breaking news. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the beginning of the good news. And it's breaking news because it's life-changing news. It's earth-shattering news. It's momentous news. It, this, this is the breaking news that has just hit the global spectrum. And the news is that God's King has come. That's the breaking news. God's King has come. And, and if we start to understand this, we start to realize that nothing will ever be the same again. It is this breaking news that changes everything. It, it's going to turn your world upside down. It turns the world upside down. Let me ask you a question. Do you, for those of you that read books, do you think you should ever read the end of a book before you get there? Put up your hand if you're one of those. Okay? My wife is definitely one of those. I, there's a great line that I came across and it said this. Someone once said, I always read the end of the book first. That way if I die before finishing the book, I know how it ends. That's pretty morbid, isn't it? <laughs> but the thing is, when it comes to the gospel at the beginning, you've actually got to read the end. You've got to have a look at the end because it's the end that helps you to understand what's going on in the beginning. So if we get a little sneak view of the end, it looks like this. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lima sabatani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Breaking news, the king has come. The king is dead. The king is dead. But it's not quite where it ends. Close. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus and Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. The king has come. The king is dead. The king is alive. 
earth-shattering, breaking good news. Why? Because that's your life and mine, isn't it? We live on this planet. We die. And then what? And then we will rise to face the judgment. And Daniel 12 verse 2 says, Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. And here's the good news. Because the king has come and the king has died and the king has risen. By faith in him, we too can rise not to eternal contempt, but to everlasting life with him. If you've got your Bible open, you just look at one, one again. It's just the beginning of the gospel about what's the next word? The beginning of the gospel about? About Jesus. Do you notice that? It's about him. The good news is about him. It's about a, it's about a person. It's not about a religion. It's not about a system. It's not about a, about a set of doctrines per, per, per se. It's about Jesus. The good news centers around a, a person. And is it not easy, brothers and sisters, to make it so much about everything else and leave Jesus out of the center? Christians are people who deeply love Jesus. Let me show you how Peter puts it. 1 Peter 1, he says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, you believe in him. And you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Let me ask you this morning, my brother and sister, do you love Jesus? Do you love Him? Do you love Him? And is there, a, is there an inexpressible, inexpressible joy in your heart? Because of Him, no matter what your circumstances are. From the media about Messiah, we go to the messenger before the Messiah. So what Mark is telling us is that in the Old Testament is that God promised that there would be a messenger before Messiah or a forerunner before Messiah or a go-beforer. Is there such a word? Is a go before You understand that, don't you? You understand what it means to go before, don't you? You're standing in the, in the supermarket at Coles or Woolies. It's a long queue, and you're feeling polite and kind, and you say to the person next to you, would you go before me, right? How many of you do that? Oh, wow, okay, all right. But not, you're probably not that patient when you're standing in the line for big bash tickets for the grand final, which you can't get, right? Then you're not so, you wouldn't say to the person behind you, won't you go before me and just get the last ticket so I can't go? Go scorches, right? If you go to a concert, um, one of those big concerts, and this is a little bit retro. Maybe some of you don't even know who this person is. But Belinda and I, many, many years ago, in Port Elizabeth, went to see Celine Dion. Anybody remember her? Yeah, you teenagers? Savannah? No, I don't even know who that is. All right. Well, when you go to a big concert, what is there always before the main act? What is there? There's a curtain-raising act, isn't there? 
There's someone that comes on and performs. It's someone not nearly as good as the main act and they're trying to make their way. They're trying to be a voice and off they go. And you know that as soon as the, the curtain raiser is finished, what happens next? On comes the main act. In this case, it was Celine Dion. God said that before the Messiah, there'll be a go-beforer. There'll be a curtain raiser. There'll be... A messenger. So look at your Bible, Mark 1 verse 2. He's quoting actually in Malachi. He says, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then in Mark 1 3, notice he quotes from Isaiah chapter 40 verse 3 and says, A voice of one calling in the desert. So there'll be a messenger, there'll be a voice. But let me just give you one more, and this is so exciting. In Malachi 4 verse 5, the last book of the Old Testament says, See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. So what Mark does here, by quoting Isaiah and quoting Malachi, he is saying that the messenger promised the voice to come, the Elijah to come, is one and the same person He's the curtain raiser. And when the curtain raisers come, you know the Messiah will come. And this messenger voice and prophet like Elijah to come is none other than who? And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness. And just before we move on, you do know just looking at that, that like the best like of church, real church that there is, is a Baptist church, right? You notice that it's John the it's John the Baptist, right? Okay, moving on. None of you got that one. Okay. Just in case we're not sure that John is the messenger, just in case we're not sure that he is the voice, notice in verse 6 we're told what John wore and what he ate. So John the Baptist wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. Now the question you've got to ask is this, why is it so important that we know what John wore and what John ate? I mean, even if you are a messenger, prophet, whatever, whether you eat a carrot stick or KFC, does it really matter? Maybe not. This actually takes us back to two kings, and you'll see what's happening here. Two kings, chapter 1 and verse 8, they replied, he had a garment of hair and a leather belt around his waist. And the king said, that was Elijah the Tishbite. So when the Jews in Mark 1, when they saw John, they didn't think that this was just some sort of humble dress down. But they recognized that John was the Elijah to come. They recognize him as the voice of Isaiah, the messenger of Malachi, the Elijah of Malachi. God's promises had been fulfilled. Now we know, you say, well, what, is it, what difference does that make? This is extremely important when it comes, for example, to evangelizing Jews and Muslims. When I was in South Africa last year, uh, in, in November, I, I sought to evangelize, evangelize my mum's financial broker, who is a long-term friend, and uh, he's, uh, he's a Jewish man, 
And in one of my emails, I said this to him. I said, could you please read Isaiah 53 in the Torah and tell me who the prophet is talking about? I pray for you to see that only Jesus could fulfill Isaiah 53. And this was his answer to me. He said, well, I must tell you what I've always thought and said. When our Messiah comes for the first time, and for the Christian people the second time, I hope it's Jesus. He was from the house of David. Because the Jews and Christians could then unite against the huge number of extremists. I'll leave it at that. How do we know that the Messiah has come? How do we know that he's come for the first time? How do we know that we're not waiting for the Messiah still to come? Why? Because the voice has come. The messenger has come. The Elijah promised has come. You see, the Jews miss Jesus because they miss John. The Pharisees and the religious leaders rejected John, so they rejected Jesus. And when it comes to Muslims, it's very interesting. The Muslims flip the whole thing around. In Islam, Jesus is the forerunner to Muhammad. Did you know that? Jesus is the forerunner to Muhammad. They turn it around. But let me make two important applications. If there is a messenger that was promised who would come as the go-beforer, as who would come as the voice messenger, Elijah. If there was a messenger promised and that messenger has come, two things. Number one, you need to know that this message, this good news about Messiah, is not something new. It's not something that's just dropped out of the sky for the first time on the page of the Scripture when Jesus was born. This whole plan of salvation was promised way back in the whole Old Testament. It's always been there. It's the whole story of the Old Testament. In fact, it goes back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, when we were promised a serpent crusher who would come and rescue his people. But the second application is this one. If the messenger was promised and the messenger has come, then we can trust that God has and always will fulfill His promises. That's what He does. God is the promise keeper. He's the promise maker and the promise keeper. And I want to say to you, brothers and sisters, this morning, I wonder if there's some of you here this morning that are really struggling to hold on to the promises of God. Some of you may be really struggling to hold on to the promises that God has made to you personally. The promises that God has made to His people in the Scripture, maybe, maybe there's a real wrestle, a real doubt. Questioning why? Why, why not yet, Lord? Why? How long, Lord? How long? The Lord will come through. He is the promise maker and the promise keeper. He will keep His promises. He's not slow as some understand slowness. But I want you to hold on. I want you to hold on to those promises. I want you to stand on them and believe them. They will come. You might have to wait until you're dead, but they will come. Let's go to our third. Let's go to the message of the messenger. 
the media about Messiah, the messenger before the Messiah, the message of the messenger. And you see it right there, don't you, in verses 4 and 5. And so John the Baptist, he appears in the wilderness. Here's his message, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. I'll come back to verse 5. His message was a baptism of repentance. What does that mean? John the BBCer, I mean, John the Bapo, was a preacher to the heart. You see, John the Baptist was not a preacher that was into religious fluff and puff. If he preached a baptism of repentance, it means that he went to the very heart of the Jewish problem, and therefore he goes to the very heart of every human being, which is sin. Repentance means that you agree with God about your problem. It's very hard to believe, I know, when I tell you this, but when I was a teenager, I went through a fairly aggressive streak for about a year. It's a long story. And when I went through my aggressive streak, I always wanted to fight with people. So I'd go up to someone, you know, a bit of a... The South Africans here will understand this expression, a bit of a breaker, you know, a bit of a big boy, all this sort of stuff. And I'd go up to someone and I would say to them, you got a problem with me? They would usually get their backs up and, and, and the person would normally turn around and say, yeah, i got a problem with you. And at that point, I would run away. I just tell you, in my first and only fight, I, uh, someone threw a punch. I didn't even see it. Hit me in the eye. Got knocked out. Uh, it, was, it was my career fight. One fight, one loss, and I retired. It's not very, not very pleasant hearing the words, you've, you've got a problem. You see, many who heard John say there needs to be a baptism of repentance... There's many who heard John and there's many who hear that today and they get aggressive, don't they? You don't tell me I've got a problem. But they just can't see it, can they? Have you, have you ever heard of something called blind cupboard syndrome? Blind cupboard syndrome. It's a particular syndrome that affects the male species. So you go to the cupboard and you're looking for tomato sauce. Honey, I can't find the tomato sauce. Has, uh, Kerry, has Olaf got blind cupboards? Has Kerry got it? Nah, I don't believe that. This is only a man thing. Honey, I can't find the tomato sauce. Honey, it's right there in front of you on the second shelf. Honey, it's not there and it's absolutely right in front of you. Men? Can I get an amen? Uh, thank you. Thank you for that. Sin, disobedience against God, Rebellion against his laws are the most obvious thing to the human being and they don't see it called blind sin syndrome. But there were some who saw it. Thank you, verse 5. Look at it. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. 
You see, there were some. There were some who heard John and they saw their sin and they went out and they, and they confessed their sinfulness. And then in a public declaration of that acknowledgement, they were baptized in the Jordan, knowing their need of forgiveness by the Messiah to come. Verse 5 is a truly wonderful picture. People listening to the voice of the prophet, calling them to see themselves what they are, sinful, needing forgiveness, which only the Messiah can give. It's such good news. And notice it says, confessing their sin. Confessing their sin. Look at that. Just notice when it comes to the starting point of salvation, you don't start by cleaning up your act. You don't start by pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. You don't start by trying to get the whole thing all hunky-dory. You don't start by trying to not sin ever. That's impossible. It starts with confession. Repentance, which means you agree with God about who you are. And you turn to Him knowing that you can not fix the problem yourself. And you look to the king who has come and the king who has died and the king who has risen knowing that there and because of him we can be forgiven. I ask you again this morning adults, mums, dads, grandparents, teenagers have you seen yourself for who you truly are. A sinner who needs saving. Have you truly turned to Him, agreed with God, and trusted in the One that cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He is risen. He is risen. But brothers and sisters, if you have done that, if you have confessed your sin and turned to Christ, then brother and sister, we are Johns. We are forerunners. We are go-beforeers. We're messengers. We're voices. Announcing that the king is not coming for the first time. He's coming a second time. He will come to judge the living and the dead. And our message is the same as John's. Repent and believe and be baptized. Repent, believe, and then publicly display it to the world that you belong to Him. And we're like John. We're preachers to the heart. We're not into religious fluff and bump. We want to hold up mirrors to people's faces so they can have a look and see themselves for who they are truly are before a holy God. Here's the message. It's breaking news. You are a sinner. It's breaking news. The Messiah has come. Breaking news. He died for you. Breaking news. He's risen from the dead. 
breaking news. Repent and believe the gospel. and You will be forgiven. Such good news. Isn't it? The media about Messiah, the messenger before the Messiah, the message of the messenger, and now let's briefly look at the Messiah of the messenger. And John introduces us to the Messiah Jesus in such a beautiful way in verse 7. And he says, and this was his message, talking, this is John's message, after me comes one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. John knew his place. You know, it's a wonderful thing when you know your place. It's not so great when you step out of your place, step out of your boundary, and you step into something that you think that you are, but you're not. You see, when we don't think we need saving, then we've stepped out of our place. We think we're something that we're not. When you don't think you need saving, you don't know your place. And if you don't think you need changing, you don't know your place either. What do I mean? Notice the contrast. John is connected to what? To water. Jesus is connected to the what? The Holy Spirit. And if you see that contrast, you start to see something that catches you by surprise. It's a little bit breathtaking. It's, it's, it's a little bit jaw-dropping. It's a bit mind-splitting. But it's such good news. If John submerges in water, but Jesus submerges in the Holy Spirit... It means that Jesus did not just come to live, die, and rise to forgive, to forgive you. He came to live, die, rise, give you His Spirit to change you. People get pretty aggressive today when you tell them that they need changing. Have you noticed that? Try that on your neighbor. Everyone has got a heart defect caused by sin. Now let me ask you, it's pretty basic. When you've got a problem, what do you try and do with the problem? Just think generally now. You've got a problem, what do you do? Etienne, what do you do? You're a fixer, right? You fix the problem. So if our photocopier in the church office goes bang, we don't say, oh, she'll be right. She'll just carry on working again and we'll just keep going. What do we do? We fix it. When your computer has got a virus, you don't say, well, he'll be right. The virus will go away and everything will be tickety-boo. Did you notice, ladies, that I called you photocopiers and men I called viruses? Did you notice that? Just want you to appreciate that. We are all broken photocopiers. Because we all have a virus called sinfulness and we don't just need forgiving. We need changing. Here's the good news. 
When you repent and believe in Jesus, He baptizes you, submerges you, He gives you His Holy Spirit in order to change you and will keep changing you until you get right into glory with Him one day. But the world does get pretty aggressive when you tell them that, don't you? I mean, here's what the world says. You are okay exactly as you are. False. You know that you're not okay as you are. And if you stay as you are, all that you will face is the judgment of God. Or the world might say, don't let anyone change who you are. False. Let God change you. Let God change you. Has Jesus changed you by His Spirit? Are you being changed by His Spirit? Do you want to be changed by His Spirit? So let me finish with this. The message of Mark. And I'm just going to read this to you as I've written it down on my notes. Here's the message of Mark. Listen carefully. The gospel, the good news, is that the one and only God who is holy made us in His image to know Him. But we sinned and we have cut ourselves off from Him. In His great love, God became a man in Jesus, lived a perfect life and died on the cross, thus fulfilling the law Himself and, and taking the punishment for the sins of all those who would ever turn and trust in Him. He rose again from the dead, showing that God accepted Christ's sacrifice and that God's wrath against us has been exhausted. He calls us now to repent of our sins and trust in Christ alone for our forgiveness. And if we repent of our sins and trust in Christ, we are born again into a new changing life, an eternal life with God. That is good news. Is it good news for you? Is it your good news today? Have you repented? Have you trusted in Christ? Have you received the forgiveness of sins and received the Spirit of God that has and is and will change you to be the person that He wants you to be? And brothers and sisters, Again, let me remind you that we are go-beforeers. Jesus put it like this in Matthew. He said, What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Paul put it like this in Romans 10. He said, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And, can, and how can they hear without someone preaching?
As I said at the beginning, the voice is our program. It comes around once a year or so where these Australians, they, 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 they perform before pop stars and they try to express their voice so that maybe their voice might be the one and they might become like a Rita Ora or a, a Guy Sebastian or a, or a Jessica Malboy. Except for Stuart, none of you wanted to audition this morning. We thank the Lord for that. So I can say this without any form of disrespect because none of you auditioned. I don't think there is anybody here that's going to be the next voice in Australia. But we can be a voice for Jesus, can't we? A beautiful voice. Oh, a good news voice. A wonderful voice. I see that hand. A voice calling in the worldly desert. A voice calling in the schools. A voice calling in the university. A voice calling in our homes, in our neighborhoods. A voice calling in our places of work and sport and retirement. Wherever we are, a voice saying the good news. The King has come. The King has lived. The King has died. The King has risen. And repent and believe and receive the forgiveness of sins. And a changed life for all eternity. Will you be his voice? Will you be his beautiful voice?